into the arms of Davis. And the superior team all season long was the superior team tonight. And the Kentucky coronation is complete. Champions 2012. Benny Snell needs five yards to break Sonny Collins' career rushing record. They give it to Benny. Straight ahead. Ten. Five. Touchdown. And a rushing record for Benny Snell Jr. of Kentucky. The All Out Kentucky Podcast. Welcome in to the All Out Kentucky Podcast. Your home for the Kentucky Wildcats basketball, and football program. I am your host, A.J. Bradley, and I am joined, as always, by my brother and co-host, Sam Bradley. For today's episode, we will recap the Wildcats' season as a whole and give our thoughts on this year's basketball team. If we flash back to November when the season began, Kentucky was a favorite to get to Houston for the Final Four as the defending National Player of the Year and a balanced roster of upperclassmen and freshmen look to be one of the best teams in college basketball. Throughout the next five months, UK took their fair share of bumps and bruises, but ultimately looked primed to make a tournament run. After a round one win over the Providence Fires, that run seemed more possible than at any point during the season. Unfortunately, Kansas State ended that dream, and the season was over as quick as it started. Sam, I don't want to go any further. I want to bring you into this conversation and get your thoughts. So first off, let's start with the game against Kansas State in the round of 32 that ended the Kentucky Wildcats basketball season. And then I want you to start to get into your thoughts on the season as a whole and how you feel the Wildcats performed relative to their expectation coming into this year, which was a top five team, a final four favorite, and a team that really needed to go deep into March. Let's get your thoughts, my friend. Yeah, I mean, we've definitely had some time to let the uh, the wounds heal here, AJ, to consider all of uh you know what happened and transpired this year for the kentucky wildcats basketball program you know it's tough you they go out and they grab that critical first round win aj against the providence friars and and it felt like we got the monkey off the back we're ready to roll um you've got a tough opponent in kansas state coming in and you're down in Greensboro, and you just got to get that win to, to improve to Madison Square Garden up in New York, AJ. And it felt like the path was paved for us. And we've had March Madness tournaments kind of unfold like this before. And ironically, AJ, I think the last easiest Final Four run that we could have maybe had laid out in front of us was when we ran into Kansas State. And we lost in the Elite Eight, AJ. So, um, unfortunately, last two times that we have met with the opposing Wildcats, we have not come out victorious. But, you know, it's tough, man. We ran into the hottest player in college basketball and an absolute buzzsaw in Marquise Noel and company. And sometimes 
the ball just doesn't go your way. I felt like we played actually a strong game, AJ. Um, you know, Oscar Sheway, it's just remarkable that he had three total NCAA tournament appearances and all three were just dominant performances. And if that's his last one, AJ, then he did it on an extremely efficient night. He did he had twenty five points, eight for thirteen shooting, AJ. He had eighteen rebounds to go along with it. I mean, the guy has shown over and over he plays with his entire heart out on his sleeve. He does everything he possibly can to get the Kentucky Wildcats to a place where they can win. And unfortunately it just wasn't enough. And it's ironic that in three tournament games, AJ Oscar is basically averaging 20 and 20 and he only was victorious. One of those times it's just remarkable, but you know, that game was solid. I mean uh, much to the credit of the, the game that followed with the Michigan State Spartans and Kansas State Wildcats. I mean, exact same thing, AJ. I mean, both of those games were incredible action, back and forth, back and forth. Um, If anything, AJ, out of those two games, it felt like Kentucky had the grip on the game for the longest out of all three of those teams. And that's what's the most difficult thing to swallow is just it felt like late in the game we're up for, you know, um, under the four-minute mark and – we had an opportunity to close that out and get a win and just survive in advance. And, you know, truthfully, Kansas State, you got to give them some credit. They hit some remarkable shots. Marquise Noel hits a step back three. And, you know, you, you get a couple of helpful shots from some teammates that are just, you know, they're tough, man. I mean, tough baskets were made down the stretch. And it just felt like, unfortunately, we weren't capable of hitting some of those shots, AJ. You know, you've got some open looks down the stretch there against Kansas State, and they just don't fall. Chris Livingston gets a great look from three, and it just doesn't fall. I mean, rattles around and and empties out, and I feel like that's just a kind of a a perfect picture of what the Kentucky Wildcats season was. We we were there. We fought till the very end. I'm proud of those guys. I mean, they gave everything they had. It just – some of the bounces didn't go our way this year, whether that was injuries, whether that was actual shots. It just felt like, you know, where you're right there, it, it was definitely accumulating to some of the best play that we've had, which was coming at the, the right time, AJ. It's just, uh, it wasn't enough. And it's very unfortunate that you had the likes of three players kind of carry you through the season and, Antonio Reeves, Jacob Toppin, and Oscar Shibway, and then you obviously get complimentary help from some of our other core, but it's really unfortunate that Jacob Toppin and Antonio Reeves had combined for, what, four points, AJ, coming down the stretch at the end of the game, and then finally they hit a couple late shots to kind of extend the game, but it was too little too late. I mean, we knew that it was already written in stone at that point and that uh, we we were going to be exiting the tournament, but it's unfortunate because, you know, a lot of people are going to have to look back on this game against Kansas State, AJ, and remember that it was just a historically poor shooting night for Jacob Toppin and Antonio Reeves. And it's sad because, especially for Antonio Reeves, AJ, he was the reason we were there. And he was the reason that we won games as of late. And he never thought that he would be kind of the only go-to option to go get a bucket for the Kentucky Wildcats this season. I mean, I remember when we got him from the transfer portal, AJ, and he said, hey, I I know 
I'm confident in my game. I want to be a leader for this team. And he knew that he was going to be a critical role. But I don't think any of us expected that down the stretch of the season, AJ, he would kind of have to be the only guy that could create a shot, the only guy that could go out and knock down perimeter threes. I mean, don't get me wrong. We, we ended up being the second best three-point shooting team in the SEC. So I'm not you know, saying we are a bad three-point shooting team. It's just, you know, I, I think we had high expectations for what C.J. Frederick would be able to do. And, I mean, he was still fantastic. I have the utmost respect for what he was able to do battling through injuries, AJ, being that cornerstone of our program this year and really letting the guys lean on him and his, you know, leadership. But it's just, it's unfortunate because now we got to look back and we've got to think, holy crap, you know, AJ, we we shot historically poor from three, four from 20. Two of those threes came very late in the game. We had only hit one, AJ, um, through the, the, the first half. So it's just, it wasn't enough. It's... It is what it is. I mean, I've kind of come to terms that, <clears throat> excuse me, man, that this was just one of those teams that, you know, they, unfortunately, they just learn more about each other and about life than they did about winning. And sometimes it's sad to try to have to gain that perspective because I'm a diehard fan, you're a diehard fan, and there's no fan base that earns for winning more than Big Blue Nation. And I get it. And, you know, that's what we, we demand. And that's what we deserve to some credit too, AJ, because this is Kentucky basketball and it, it has to be the highest of expectations. But, you know, I, I'm still proud of these guys, especially a guy like Case Wallace, AJ, who we, we knew we would hand the keys over to him at some point this season. I, I think those keys were handed over maybe a little earlier than anticipated with obviously severe Wheeler, um, and his injuries, and, and we hand over the program to a young freshman in case of Wallace, AJ, and then we demand him to be the primary ball handler who he's traditionally come in as an off-ball guard. And he, he basically, AJ, just showed us that he is an all-capable guard that can do anything. And he realistically, in my opinion, AJ, saved one of, if not the best performances he had in a Kentucky Wildcats jersey for this last game against Kansas State. I mean, he was terrific, AJ. I, I loved what he did. He was 9 for 11 from the field, 21 points, 1 for 1 from deep, 2 for 2 on free throws, 9 rebounds, 4 assists. I mean, the guy was terrific. He was doing it all, and it really felt like he was going to be enough to get us over that edge. But uh, I, we know how that story ends. But it's just, it was one of those seasons, AJ, that, I mean, you said it in, in the opening comments, but we had high expectations. I mean, when you get the reigning National Player of the Year and the only player that had ever come back, AJ, after the National Player of the Year, they won the national title. I know we've mentioned that. It was Tyler Hansborough at North Carolina. And so I think all of us, I mean, you get him back, you get some of the other core pieces and Jacob Toppin back and CJ Frederick coming off of sitting out an entire season. And we knew what he did at Iowa. So we knew that we were getting a special player there. You have two McDonald's All-Americans and obviously Case and Wallace and Chris Livingston. And then you go out in the portal. And I, and I was proud of what the, the Kentucky Wildcats staff was able to, to do. I mean, you go out and you get Antonio Reeves, who was a special player for us. And um, it, it just felt like we had what was necessary to make a deep run. I think, um, you know, as we reflect back on what the season was, we just never got 
to a point where everyone was healthy and on the same page for a large stretch of time, AJ. And I hate to, to use that as a crutch, um, both literally and figuratively, but it, it did feel like someone was, you know, on a crutch or in a boot at all points of the season. And in starting out, um, John Calipari saw it because, you know, when you lose your reigning national player of the year, who you have to develop your entire offensive rhythm around and Oscar Sheepway, I mean, that was a, that was a big loss early in the season, AJ. I know it doesn't seem like much, but to not have him play for over a month and not practice and not build that continuity, it, it was tough. And then he comes back and, you know, Case and Wallace flare up with injuries. You've got CJ Frederick literally never not injured this entire season, AJ. I mean, that kid it was a walking injury this year. And I don't mean that in a bad sense because, like I said, he fought through it all. He was incredible. But, you know, then you have Damien Collins and, and the loss of his father. It just felt like this team went through so much. And it's awesome, and it's going to be a great story for all of them going down the road to to think back and realize how much they learned about each other, how much they grew together. And I, I tweeted it out a little while back, but I truly mean it. Sometimes, especially in this Kentucky Wildcats program, AJ, you have to just – consider that and the way that these kids grew up this year to me is a massive accomplishment and I've always said this and I will continue to say John Calipari is a phenomenal basketball coach and he's even a a better man and he molded these guys into men and into a team not not just a bunch of individuals that are you know running around trying to get theirs and I I thought it was pretty special because Tyrese Maxey AJ did a podcast the other day and he had Emmanuel quickly on. So obviously ex-teammates and rocking the big blue and, and Tyrese Maxey was actually talking about John Calipari and how much he, he thanks and credits his ability to take a bunch of egos and a bunch of guys pulling in different directions, all trying to work their hardest for the team, but mo- most importantly for themselves to be able to get to the next level. And he just kind of talked about how he molds everyone into one guy and, and, works in unison and I just thought that was you know a perfect way to encapsulate what this season boiled down to did they meet expectations absolutely not AJ am I fired up at the fact that we had all those pieces we should have gone to a final four it looked like maybe one of the easiest paths to get to a final four in quite some time and we didn't do it yeah I mean I'm pissed it hurts it sucks it feels like we haven't been to the mountaintop in a little time, AJ, and the rest of Big Blue Nation is feeling that pain. It felt like this team, more so than ever, felt that pressure, and I'm very thankful that they got at least one win for John Calipari, but it's not enough. So don't don't listen to this podcast and think that I'm not upset with you guys, because I know how everyone feels in Big Blue Nation. Um, you know, I'm just trying to, to offer that perspective, because for a team that loses you know, a father figure and Damien Collins and they have to, to kind of rally around him and, and learn how to navigate as a team together, those real life circumstances. I I think it's enough for me, AJ, to consider and just put the winning and the losing on the back burner and just think back and try to reflect on what they were able to accomplish on and off the court. But AJ, you, you got a guy like Jacob Toppin who literally was the most immature child ever when he stepped onto campus, when he transferred in from Rhode Island. And, and when he exits, 
as a Kentucky Wildcat. He truly was, you know, the heartbeat of our team, a man, a, a leader, and he's ready for the next level. And I just think when you kind of put some of that into perspective and what we are able to see unfold this year, it's enough for me to get me through the offseason, especially when we have one of the best classes I've ever laid eyes on coming in next year. But I don't want to get ahead of myself. So um, to you, AJ, g- give me a couple of thoughts on how that game in Greensboro against Kansas State Wildcats went down. Um, you know, wh- where do you think we went wrong? Do you think that was just too much of a running into a buzzsaw, you can't do anything, you played as best you could, or do, do you think the Kentucky Wildcats should have been able to, you know, get past the the other opposing Wildcats and try to continue their run and march on and in this madness of what this tournament has ultimately become? Yeah, Sam, so here's where I'll start. I think that for sure um, – that Kentucky had the opportunity to win the game against Kansas State, despite the poor shooting night from Antonio Reeves and Jacob Toppin. I mean, if either of those guys makes a couple shots here or there, I don't think Kentucky loses this game because I think they build enough of a lead to where maybe some of those shots down at the end of the game don't have um, as big of a significance. Because, I mean, Sam, you said it, and I think – this really kind of encapsulates the entire season as a whole, the entire game. There really was never a feeling of we're going to lose. And then you blink your eyes and you look up and we're down five with a minute and a half to go. And it's like, we, we lost, but but how, how did that even happen? And to me, it was like, that's kind of how our season was. It was like every time we got momentum and we got things going in the direction that we wanted them to go. And then out of nowhere, it was like, bang, back to where we were before. And that's kind of how that Kansas state game, Kansas state game to me unfolded. Yeah. Because with a couple of minutes left in the game, Sam, I was very confident in the fact that Kentucky was going to find a way to win. They had the lead. They had found a way despite the poor shooting to continue to battle and play good defense. And yes, Marquise Noel got going, but there were also stretches during that game where they really held him down pat and didn't allow him to affect the game. And then once he did start affecting the game, that's when they really started to come alive as a team. And then it became that kind of domino effect where it started to become harder and harder to guard as the game went on. But we still, we bottled them up at times. And especially in the first half, the, the, the beginning of the game, Kentucky did a really good job. And so that's kind of how tournament games are sometimes. You don't know if you're going to get hot from three. You don't know if you're going to be broke from three that game. But you got to find a way to figure out how to win. And so I thought that was a game where they could still figure out how to win. I thought they were in that position. And then, like you said, two back-to-back threes on shots that weren't, you know, your traditional three-point shots. But, hey, they go in. That's part of the game. It is what it is. But then it's like those two shots just put a dagger in our season. And so it was kind of encapsulates everything that really transpired throughout the season to me because you look at it where 
Kentucky struggled at times. Yes, maybe didn't look as good as they were supposed to or could have. But then, Sam, there were also points of the season where it really looked like Kentucky started to figure things out and get rolling in the right direction. And then they would stub their toe. And it's like, okay, time to pick this thing back up and and get the ball rolling again. And then it got rolling again. And then boom, another loss. And then, okay, let's, let's start this thing back over. And so it never really felt like they could get themselves into a really big groove. And we had talked all season, Sam, about finding a way to get that six game win streak and to put together those games all in a row to prove to yourself that you can go through this deep run no matter how you play in a particular game, you can find ways to win. And they didn't do it at any point in the season. And obviously it didn't get done in the NCAA tournament. And that's not the end-all be-all by any means, but I think their inability to put together long stretches of quality play is what ultimately hurt them in the end. And some of it, I will say is definitely due to injuries and a lack of cohesiveness due to those injuries with guys going in and out of the lineup. I mean, Sam, we played a lot of different lineups this year and what ultimately ended up hurting us combined with these things that I've talked about is our lack of depth and the lack of depth was only there because of the injuries. And we thought our depth going into the season was something that we were really going to be able to rely on. I mean, you have guys who are very capable of playing minutes off the bench in, in Lance Ware in Damian Collins in CJ Frederick. I mean, we had, you talk about those guys, then Kaysen and Jacob and Chris and Oscar and then severe playing, Adu even started playing minutes. So you really had this team that that could really almost go 10 deep, Sam. And then by the end of the season, we're barely able to put together a starting lineup with a couple guys coming off the bench to help us out in those moments. And so when you find yourself in that position and then guys that you're relying on to score and produce have arguably the worst games of their college careers, Yeah. It, it, it's a recipe for disaster. And what I will say about that is I'll give Kentucky credit. They fought, man. They really fought and they continued to grind at that game and they put themselves in a position to win. It didn't happen, but they didn't give in. They didn't hang their heads down and say, well, we can't buy a bucket. So we're just going to give up on defense or anything like that. They continued to fight. It just didn't happen for them. And, You know, Sam, we've talked about this at great lengths throughout the course of the season, but due to the nature of the previous few seasons and with one of the tournaments being canceled, it it has. It has felt like a very long time since we, the Kentucky Wildcats, have felt like we are on top of the mountain. It, 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 it's not even about winning a national championship, but to get to a Final Four and to be in that mix and to really put yourself up there in the upper echelon of teams in that season for college basketball. And, and that's where I think a lot of the, the negativity, the we don't want John Calipari stuff, I think that's, a, that's where a lot of that came from. And I think me and you in particular, have done a really good job of not feeding into that and just 
you know, we're kind of like, hey, we understand you, you, you just look at it with some perspective and you kind of understand the bigger picture. And that's what I really appreciate about what you've done about this season is being able to take a step back and look at this season from a different perspective than coming at it of, well, this is now the fourth straight year that Kentucky hasn't done anything of significance and the fifth, fourth or fifth straight year that we've underachieved and all these things. But what people need to realize, Sam, is the expectation, the expectation every single year is national championship or bust. So if you don't win it, at the end of the season, 95% of the fan base and the people outside of the fan base are going to say that the season was a disappointment. I don't necessarily ever think the season is a disappointment because there's things that you can take from any season, good or bad, grow from it. Obviously, John Calipari has done an amazing job of being a leader of young men and getting them into a position to be able to capitalize and grow and evolve within their skill set that they have already. It's not like this guy's just producing all these pros. A lot of them are pro-type players, but there's a difference between being a pro-type player and being a professional player. And that's where John Calipari has done a better job than any coach in the history of college basketball in bridging that gap between the level of play in college and the level of play that is expected in the National Basketball Association. So I like your perspective, Sam. That's kind of where I've been at with this team. It's 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 obviously disappointing to root lose in the round of 32 and when you come into a season and you have those high expectations in a preseason number, what, two, two ranking next to your name. Yep. Anything that doesn't meet those is a failure. And so it was a tough season. It, it, it was a tough season, Sam. I'm not going to lie. A, from a fan's perspective, from somebody covering the team <laughs> now, and, and it was tough. But – there were a lot of really good moments in this season, and I think that's what I'll always ultimately look back on this team and say. I mean, listen, Cason Wallace, one of the f- most fun guards I've watched at Kentucky with, with his physical nature, the way he played defense, the transition of him, like you said, going from a two-guard to a point guard, and the oh, way wow. he kind of found himself throughout the season within – the offense and the defensive game plan on a, on a nightly basis, right? And even when he had games where he didn't shoot well, he found ways to impact the game, and that's what we always came on the podcast to talk about. So I loved what he brought to the table. Seeing the maturation of Chris Livingston throughout the course of the season, Sam, I mean, again, one of those players I'll always look back on and say, I mean, that was fun watching him grow up in yeah. front of our eyes and become – a better basketball player, a better teammate, a more consistent player, and somebody who was willing to do the dirty work for this basketball team. So I love that. Oscar Shibwe, Sam, another incredible season from this guy. I mean, you mentioned it. He fought through an injury at the beginning of the season, really came in behind the eight ball. 
And by the end of the season, Sam, he was again, our, no doubt, there is no doubt he was the most no dominant player in college basketball come the end of the season. And he got back into that form. And so yep. it was amazing watching him play. I mean, I just think that's probably what people, most people are going to take away when you, when you, let's take a step back and go 10 years out and people think back about these last two years in Kentucky basketball, Oscar it will Shibway be era. Oscar Shibway. And so yep. just to have him, I think, was really special for, for our fan base and to be able to appreciate everything that he did on the on and off the basketball court for this program and the type of person he is and the way that he represented the University of Kentucky and the Kentucky basketball team was was something just very, very special and will probably stay near and dear to a lot of Big Blue Nation's hearts. Jacob Toppin, you mentioned to see his maturation and then to see him finally come into his own this season and really put it together for long stretches of the season. I mean, couldn't ask for anything better from him. So to see that was was very special. Again, C.J. Frederick dealing with all types of injuries this season, never really got to see the true C.J. Frederick, and that is is disappointing. But you said it best, Sam. I mean, the only thing I will think about when I think about him is he's a warrior, and and that's the type of guy you want to go to battle with because regardless of, of the you know the way he feels or what the doctors are saying, I mean, he is doing everything he can to get himself on that basketball court. And so his competitive spirit and nature is something that I appreciate fully and will always think back and, and think about him in, in that way. And so, like I said, Sam, there's a lot of good things that came out of this season in the way that individually some of these guys all took their game to another level. It just ultimately didn't all come together as one team in the right time. And, you know, Sam, that was kind of something that that we mentioned here and there during the course of the season and games. I mean, I think I might have come on here and said it four or five times, but it's like, you know, we had three guys play really well that game, or we had two guys play really well that game, or we had four guys play really well that game. And there was never that one game where you could look to and just say, okay, everybody did exactly what they they were asked to do and mm-hmm. it's obviously not going to happen and defenses of other teams are going to take away players and game plan for all that sort of thing so it's not like that can happen all the time but i think that was the one thing with this team where it was like that's why they really never reached their full potential they never all put it together at the exact same time it was kind of here and there and then it was here all together and then it's gone and so there was just never that one cohesion where you felt everybody's clicking at the same exact time and that's kind of what we really needed unfortunately we learned we were not as deep and as talented as maybe we initially anticipated and I'm not saying a huge decline or anything like that but we weren't a team necessarily that when guys go oh four of 20 from the three-point line we can beat a really quality team and I think that that was kind of the bridge there where we obviously I think top 25 30 team in the country on any given night we could also be 
you know, outside the top hundred or one of the best five teams in the country because of the way that we played in certain games and just never could really find that consistency. That's what I'll keep going back to. I mean, that's kind of where I started, Sam, and that's that's really where I'll finish with this team is just a yeah. lack of consistency, unfortunately, due to a lot of different factors out there. But yeah. ultimately, nobody cares about what those factors are, and people will remember this season as a round of 32 loss in another year where we did not meet expectations. But I think it's important for people to realize, you know, we had an absolutely one-of-a-kind player who was on this basketball team for the last two years in Oscar Shiwe, and we need to look back and remember all of the things that he did for Big Blue Nation and, honestly, the, the amazing memories. I mean, that Providence game, Sam, is ingrained in my memory. I know it's just a round one game, but the way that Oscar Shibwe absolutely dominated the boards in that game was, I told you, it was unlike anything I'd ever seen, and then he followed it up against Kansas State and almost did the exact same thing. So a very special player. Unfortunately, not a very special season for the Kentucky Wildcats. But as you said, hope springs eternal, my friend, and in with in with the new, out with the old, there will be a new roster basically next season. I mean, we know how it is in college basketball and especially at the University of Kentucky. Rosters are going to change, Sam, year over year, big time. And that is no difference for the Kentucky Wildcats. You want to give people a little update kind of on where we've been for the last two weeks as far as the Kentucky Wildcats are concerned, it's that time of year people are making decisions about the transfer portal, putting their name into the NBA, possibly getting an agent and, and giving away their college eligibility. There are so many things happening, Sam. Give us a little update on what's going on in the world of Big Blue Nation as far as the roster is concerned. Yeah, I mean, like you said, and with the new, out with the old, uh, I hate to put it that bluntly, but it is. It's officially the offseason for the Kentucky Wildcats, and uh, we have to move forward and look to next season. And boy, is it an exciting one, AJ, because we have a absolute incredible class getting ready and prepped to enter into Lexington, Kentucky, and really try to... Um, accomplish something special. I mean, we know those expectations. They know those expectations. And I think this group in particular is ready for that challenge, AJ. I, I really do. I like what I've seen, what I've heard um, from some of these elite prospects that we have coming in. And it's going to be a fun one. But just to kind of bring everyone up to speed, uh, you know, I, I think it's interesting. I did some homework, AJ, um, just to prep for for this opportunity to sit down and talk with you. And when we think of John Calipari and his era here at the University of Kentucky, we, we really have kind of two stints from his tenure here so far, AJ. We've got like 2009 when he entered to about 2015. And then we have like 2016 to about today, 2023, AJ, if you will. And it's not built on the fact of 
the early successes he he saw or the winning or the national championships and the final fours because that was unparalleled to any run I've seen in college basketball. And it's not to compare now to the lack of those successes. AJ, when I when I did this little homework assignment, I was mostly looking at who were we bringing in, who have we gotten, and, and what is the success that I was kind of just alluding to. But when you look back through, from 2009 to 2015, AJ, John Calipari brought in 16 top 10 recruits and 10 top 5 recruits in that little six-year window. Now when we jump in to that second six-year window, AJ, things have changed for John Calipari in, in the University of Kentucky. We brought in eight top 10 recruits to, like I said, that first window, AJ, 16, so doubled in that first six-year window, and only one top five recruit, AJ. Now, mind you, I also factored in that we had brought in some recruits that never played, brought in recruits that, you know, so I, I factored all that in. So there's a little more success in John Calipari's recruitment from 2016 to 2023. However, you have to factor in what happened. And if they didn't play for us, they didn't play for us because they didn't help us. So, um, you know, I just think it's extremely interesting to, to see all that success that we had early in John Calipari's career. And I know the landscape of college basketball has ultimately shifted from 2016 to 2022 because of, you know, the transfer rule changing and overall NIL now, obviously. So um, just really interesting to me because when we look forward to this year, AJ, John Calabari, he got back to his, his roots, AJ. He brought in a whole bunch of stallions and studs in this freshman market, AJ, and, and a class that isn't necessarily as deep as I've seen. Um, he, he brought in the top recruits, and that's all you can ask. And he really got back to his ways, AJ. Uh, for the eighth time at, at Kentucky, he has the number one overall class, and he did it in resounding fashion. And And I've been there, AJ, as a diehard fan since the beginning of the Cal era. And I remember all these conversations. It's, you know, it's next year's class. It's next year's class. No, 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 but just look at next year's class. I, I'm telling you, this year's class for 2023-2024 is that class, AJ. They are phenomenal. They have um, a lot of intangibles. It's not just about the raw talent that we're talking about. We're talking about guys that have the intangibles that it takes to succeed at the University of Kentucky, AJ. I mean, we've seen guys have incredible success, in, in, but at the biggest moments, they, they, they dwindle away. And I think it takes that special breed to, to find those successes in those moments at the University of Kentucky. I mean, AJ, when you talk about historically poor shooting performances, you know, I think back to 2022 and now, unfortunately, 2023 against Kansas State. But St. Peter's and Kansas State, AJ, for St. Peter's, um, Ty Ty Washington and Kellen Grady shot three of 19, AJ, three of 19. And they were actually two of 18 until... Uh, they hit a late three-pointer just like they kind of did against Kansas State, A.J. We fast-forward it. Uh, Toppin and Reeves, they were two for 22, A.J. They were two for 22, and they were, uh, you know, it, truthfully one for 21 until late in that game when we finally uh, knocked down a, a late three from Antonio Reeves. But, you know, that that's brutal, A.J., and it, it's nothing against these kids. It, it, it isn't. But I have confidence in – 
the roster that we are bringing in, and I'm very excited about it. I mean, we have arguably, I could say, five McDonald's All-Americans. It's only four because um, Robert Dillingham did not qualify just because of his status at the uh, high school level, AJ, so he was not invited to the McDonald's All-American game. Had he been eligible, 110% he would have been there and he would have been a star at that game, AJ. But we just watched our recruiting class, four of the five that are coming into Lexington, all compete in the McDonald's All-American game, AJ. It was a awesome experience. We had all of our guys on full display for four full days, uh, a couple of practice rounds, scrimmages, and then it all accumulates, obviously, to the East-West game. And they really put on a show, AJ. We've got, um, you know, DJ Wagner, Justin Edwards, Reed Shepard, and Aaron Bradshaw all competing in the McDonald's All-American game. You've got DJ Wagner, who for about three years now, AJ, has been the number one overall recruit in the 2023 class. He recently, uh, on some of the other metrics and on three recruiting standards, has actually dropped to the number two overall spot, AJ. Um, We've seen a lot of parity shift within this class as of late. Uh, You know, depending on what site and resource you go to, you you still have DJ at one. Uh, If you go to others, AJ, you've got Justin Edwards at one. If you go to others, you've got... um, some other shifts in that parody. So uh, to me, AJ, it doesn't matter. You've got arguably uh, three of the top five recruits in the entire class, no matter which order you put them in. And then you've got another one just outside the, you know, the top 10 inside the top 15, and then another one just outside the top 25 in Reed Shepard. So it really doesn't matter, but you know who you have in DJ Wagner, AJ and DJ Wagner. um, He goes Ofer in the first half of that East-West McDonald's All-American game steps out on the court in that second half and scores 19 points for his uh, team to come back from behind of a 12-point deficit and leads his team to a victory. AJ gets McDonald's All-American MVP for the first time for Kentucky Wildcat in uh, nearly 10 years, AJ. So I think it's just extremely exciting to see the production and just the the sheer talent that John Calipari is bringing back into Lexington with this next class. And they are so ready. I mean, you listen to their interviews all week long last week and it's, you know, we're ready for the challenge. We, we know what our expectations are. We know that we want to go out and chase number nine for big blue nation. And for, for every single one of them, AJ said more so for John Calipari. And it, I really think this group is going to love buying into what Cal is trying to get them to do. I mean, th- this is going to be one of the most highly anticipated off seasons that Kentucky has had in quite some time. I mean, last year felt like a lot, AJ. This year is ridiculous. I mean, I can feel the tension building up. It's palpable. So we are going to have to take this. It's already started and the NCAA tournament is not even over my friend. Yeah. Yeah. And and, I mean, I followed along the, the, the week of the McDonald's all American game, AJ. And I mean, every conversation of all the guys in the media around the event were Kentucky's recruiting class, Kentucky's recruiting class, Kentucky next year. So 
um, you know, we've got a long ways to go, but there are a lot of eyes in the national media that are, you know, set on this team and this recruiting for class for John Calipari. So, you know, it's, it's going to be extremely exciting. I am pumped with the talent that we're bringing in. It's going to be refreshing. Um, you know, I think, you know, obviously I read off those numbers to you, but, it, it has been the truth. I mean, John Calipari hasn't quite been bringing in the exact same talent that we had, uh, had been accustomed to for that early window of the first six years of his uh, tenure here at Kentucky, AJ. So he's back to his old ways. He's bringing in some of the best talent in the, the world into Lexington. I already highlighted what DJ did at that McDonald's All-American game. Just to kind of let you guys know, Aaron Bradshaw, he's a seven-footer who can really stretch the four. He He's really developed his game to the perimeter. He can knock down threes. AJ, he's not going to be the traditional big that we are used to, like Oscar Shibway, um, or, or to those natures, AJ. So we are getting a very special and amazing talent. A lot of people project him as the first big off the board in next year's draft class, but he finishes with 18 points, 10 for 13 from the field, and eight rebounds. AJ Justin Edwards, 11 points, five rebounds, two assists, two steals. Justin Edwards is, you know, a, a six seven, six eight wing AJ that can literally score and do it all at all three levels on the basketball court. He can fly and do tomahawk dunks, and it's incredible to see him soar through the air. He can hit you with step backs from deep, and he can really break it down off the dribble. So he is going to be one of those wings, AJ, that it feels like we haven't quite had in a little while. I mean, Jacob Toppin started to develop that part of his game this year. I mean, we saw him. He was he was efficient from three, AJ. But this is a different efficiency we're talking about. This is a wing that can literally do it all. And I think that's what we have been begging for in a Kentucky wing for the last couple of years. And then you got, obviously, A.J. Reed Shepard. He is the hometown hero here in Kentucky. This stat line won't jump off the page at you, A.J., but if you watch the game, he was incredible. I mean, he his ability to make the players around him better – is what makes him an incredible player. He he had four points, four rebounds, three assists, two steals, and he really does make everyone around him a better basketball player. I think I was talking to you about this the other day, AJ, but Reed Shepard is a kind of guy that if he gets his opportunity in Lexington to have some extended minutes, he is not going to be in Lexington long, AJ, if he starts putting his game on display because he reminds me of a guy like Tyler Hero, not in the fact that he is the same caliber, but Tyler Hero stepped in after decommitting from Wisconsin to Kentucky, and everyone said, great, we've got an incredible player who, who will likely be around the program for two, three, four years. And what happened, AJ? He showed the nation that he was a one and done caliber player and and look at what he's doing at the next level AJ I think Reed Shepard is very similar I think his game is so sound and so fundamental that he will be ready for the bright lights at Kentucky and I think all of these four guys are and then that leads me to the last recruit in Rob Dillingham AJ I mean this kid is easily the most special and talented scorer in this recruiting class, AJ, I've never seen anyone quite like Rob Dillingham with his ability to break you down off the dribble. I mean, he is a crafty guard that reminds me of a Kyrie Irving with his handles and his ability to finish around the rim. He's smaller size. He's 6'2", but that has never stopped him from anyone. He's got all of these guys, actually, AJ, I should say. The most refreshing thing about this recruiting class is they have the dog 
in them. I mean, they are ready to pounce and bark and fight you to the last whistle, AJ. I mean, you you will not get any back down from this group. It's going to be a very special year. It's it's a long off season, and you know I wanted to bring everyone up to speed because those are the pieces we do for sure have. Now it's time that we give you guys a quick update as far as the pieces we may not have or we may have. Um, but the, you know some of these decisions are not rendered, AJ. So maybe I'll pass it back to you here. If you could just bring our listeners up to speed on some of the, the finalized decisions we've already seen, and then maybe we can just lobby a couple of our opinions on where we think we will be with some of the undecided players, um, whether they stay, go, or, or what have you with uh, the Kentucky Wildcats' current roster aj yep sam so like i said i mean the kentucky wildcats are kind of the the staple program in the country to look at when you think about roster turnover from year to year um and it's really not going to be any different this season i mean there is already for sure a fact jacob toppin leaving the university of kentucky to go and try to get drafted and play in the NBA. He will also be followed by star freshman Kaysen Wallace, who actually this morning at a, as of Saturday, April 1st, decided to come back, or I'm sorry, not to come back, to declare for the NBA. April Fools! Yeah, April Fools. <laughs> <laughs> I saw a tweet today, Jaders. Oscar Sheepway has elected to come back for his third year. I was like, yeah. do not you... Do not believe a second of anything on Twitter today. Do not. Do not read or believe anything today. But yes, unfortunately, Cason Wallace will leave the University of Kentucky. He has declared for the next level, so that is now he is gone. Um, Chris Livingston has also declared that he will test the NBA draft waters as well. So we can assume that he will no longer be a part of the team. So there's three guys right there. Um, Xavier Wheeler has made it known to John Calipari that he would like to graduate from the university of Kentucky and continue to play basketball, but probably do it elsewhere. So looking for a fresh start, I would assume he will put his name into the transfer portal and look for somewhere else to play next season. So, I mean, there is four guys right there off the bat, Sam, that will not be back next season. Obviously, people are waiting to hear what Oscar Shibwe decides. I do not think there is any possibility that he is coming back to Kentucky for another season, but crazier things have happened in this lifetime, so you never know, but he has not made his decision publicly known to anybody as of yet, so we do not know where he stands. We'll go to Damian Collins next, Sam. Um, really unsure of, of where he may be at this point. You're hearing a lot of different things about possibly going home to be closer to his family. So I think the sentiment right now is probably not going to be a part of the Kentucky Wildcats next season. So we'll have to monitor that situation. C.J. Frederick, another guy, really don't know 100% right now what he's thinking. Potentially could be coming back for another season in attempt to get healthy and kind of, you know, do the thing for real i mean he's been here for two years and has really never got his footing as a kentucky wildcat so we'll have to monitor that situation sam as well ugo 
Anyenso, Sam, I mean, from what I'm hearing and what I heard from you, he's being pulled in some different directions right now. He made it very clear after the last game of the season that he wants to be a part of this Kentucky basketball team next season. But some people who, you know, are around him and kind of in his camp or whatever you want to say, maybe have some different ideas for what may be best for him. So not quite sure there. So last guy, I guess I'll get to Sam Antonio Reeves. We don't really know what he has decided either right now. So we will continue to monitor that situation. But I mean, Sam, when you really look at it, I mean, there's a possibility that one or two core players in Antonio Reeves and CJ Frederick potentially play for this team next season. But outside of that, none of the core players who play significant minutes this year will be out there on the court next year. And that just kind of tells you, I mean, I guess that's not what it tells you. This is just kind of something that has been the norm for the Kentucky Wildcats over the years, especially when you have five freshmen coming in who seem to be players that can play at a high level and you want out there. And so, you know, where does that leave the rest of the roster? And I think that's part of the reason why a lot of these guys end up going pro. Um, Some of them are 100% ready. Some of them maybe, maybe could use another year, but the way the roster looks, it's like, there's no point to come back. You're better off to, to head to the next level and things of that nature. So, Sam, that's that's really where we sit today. Um, a few firm 100% decisions and then the rest. You can kind of read the tea leaves and figure out what's going on, but nothing has been made official for, for some of the guys as of right now. So we will just have to wait and see on that. I'm thinking that this stuff is going to start coming down in the next couple of weeks for sure, Sam. Yeah, for sure. I think it's it's about that time, and we'll start to really learn. I mean, I think John Calipari also, like, he needs to know pretty dang soon in the next week or two what his roster looks like, and then yeah. they can attack the transfer portal if needed. And, I mean... Sam, I don't know if you've checked, but there are some very, very good players in the transfer portal right now, led by Michigan's Hunter Dickinson, who may be the most accomplished college basketball player to ever put his name in the transfer portal and leave his school. There's a lot of players, maybe not of that caliber, but are high caliber players who are sitting there in the transfer portal. And so that is a very big part of college basketball now and if the Kentucky Wildcats want to attack that and get some players maybe a one or two something like that then they're going to need to know what their roster looks like going forward and so that's that's where we sit today Sam obviously the NCAA tournament is not even over yet the college basketball season has not officially ended Mm -hmm. So we will continue to monitor that situation for the Kentucky Wildcats. But that's where we are right now, and, and it's no different than any other offseason, my friend. It's a waiting game. you got to see what these guys want to do. And, you know, until they make it public, it's it's pretty private. So you can kind of guess and read the tea leaves, and like I said, but um, no point in throwing speculation out there. So we'll just leave it at that, Sam. And... Uh, that's kind of where we are headed 
towards next season. We'll see how that roster shakes out. Yeah, and, and coaching staff, AJ, just to yeah, add, because yeah, absolutely. Uh, John Calipari does have an open seat as a full-time assistant. Um, it'll be interesting to see what he does with that spot. Um, we've definitely already heard some names flashing around the program as far as who's reached out um, to Kentucky, actually, and to John Calipari as opposed to uh, vice versa. So we're just going to have to kind of wait and see. John Calipari did add uh, in a recent interview that he will not be officially looking to fill that position until after the season has finished, AJ. Uh, so, you know, we've got the Final Four going on today. We'll have the National Championship later uh, on Monday, AJ. So um, just something to keep in mind. I mean, like you said, we've got player decision, coaching decisions. It's going to be a busy, 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 busy offseason with a lot of important decisions. Um, you know, you already kind of broke it down. There's a lot going on with some of these player decisions that uh, should they stay, should they go with the transfer portal being what it is. With NIL, AJ, there's massive opportunities to return to the University of Kentucky. We had three of the top ten NIL earners this past season, AJ, rocking the Kentucky Blues. So that is definitely something to consider. I mean, you got guys like Oscar Sheevey, Chris Livingston, Kaysom Wallace, Jacob Toppin, just killing it in NIL money. So um, definitely something not only that's important for our current players and their decision for next year, but also for players potentially, you know, in the portal. I mean, there's no better spot than the University of Kentucky, and I would have to presume that, um, you know, I've already seen names being attached to John Calipari and his staff, AJ. I won't uh, go through all those names of that list right now for our listening listeners, but I will say we've reached out to about three or five players already in the transfer portal just to start those conversations. It's hard to do so, like you said, with what we don't know uh, of the you know turnover with who is going to go, who is going to stay. So um, these decisions are critical. I only feel confident with maybe, maybe one or two right now. It's going to be um, you know one of those off seasons that you just have to kind of wait and see, unfortunately. And they, they are important decisions because as confident as I am with the next five that are coming in and the caliber of players that they are, you got to have some experience just just for practice purposes, just for, um, you know, injury purposes. I mean, God forbid any injuries happen. We got to have the depth there, AJ. And um, that's what hurt us this year. I mean, severe Wheeler not playing at all down the stretch of the season, AJ. You could tell, I think if we have him going into March Madness, that that's a totally different run that the Kentucky Wildcats could have potentially went on. So, absolute critical couple of months. And AJ and I will be covering all of it. All news updates, all decisions as far as player and personnel go, we will make sure to get back on here, even if it's a short episode, and get you guys brought back up to speed. But uh, but yeah, AJ, anything else for the listeners for consideration as far as what maybe the next couple of weeks and uh, months go as far as the AOK podcast, boys? Yes, absolutely. So before we get out of here, we'll do a little housekeeping and, and just get you guys caught up. But what we're going to do going forward after the basketball season we're going to go down to one episode a week for you guys, and what we will do is bring you any news, updates, anything that has been going on um, in that time frame within the Kentucky Wildcats basketball or football program. We're going to start to change our focus a little bit. We'll get you guys um, 
kind of caught up to speed with what's going on with the spring practices in football. I mean, today, Sam, is the open spring practice going on. It looked like a huge turnout, a big blue nation out there supporting the team. Brand new quarterback, offensive coordinator Liam Cohen coming back. So a lot of optimism and excitement going around the program right now. So we'll get you caught up to speed with what's going on there. And then as we head into the summer months, guys, what we're going to do is we will get you all prepped and ready for the Kentucky Wildcats football season. We will do an entire team breakdown roster, go through the season, what their win total is when it comes out, all those sorts of fun things. And then we're going to do something a little different this year, but something that we want to do going forward. We'll give you guys an entire SEC breakdown before the season starts or preview, I guess I should say, of all the teams in the SEC. That way you guys know what to watch out for, how these teams are looking within our conference, and get a real good feel for the Kentucky football season before we ever even get to the first down but that's what we got going on guys i got one question for you aj yeah so this is just a a fun little question just to finish off this uh this episode who are you more excited to rock the kentucky blue next season Devin Leary or DJ Wagner? Oh, DJ Wagner. There I mean, listen Sam, I love football. I love football, but basketball is my one true love. If I could have continued to play basketball my entire life, I would have. Unfortunately, me and you dealt with the same problem when we got to high school and everyone started growing and we did not. So (laughs) our basketball careers quickly went out the window. I think that's why we both continued to play hockey. We were much more of the normal size in that game. I never hit my growth spurt till college, so my basketball days... Like I said, we're... Uh, I'm still waiting on my grocery. Yes, so, exactly. Uh, and for the listeners that may not know, I'm, I'm 25 years old. So <laughs> hopefully it is, uh, it's coming one of these days, AJ. <laughs> yes. So um, I, I can't wait, man. I mean, I'm, I'm so excited for DJ to get on campus. And I'm just really excited to see this freshman class and, and what this Kentucky Wildcats basketball team looks like. But... Um, Yes, I am excited to see Devin Leary for sure, Sam. I really am. Um, But I'm more excited, I guess, for the team as a whole, not just him. I'm excited to see how the Wildcats bounce back from last season and where they head from here. I mean, I think they are also in a very critical time for their program. I mean, Stoops has built this thing all the way up, Sam, and and I think it's this, this fan base is... They are dying. They are scratching and clawing and itching and whatever you want to call it to kind of break through and be one of those teams that could potentially, you know, maybe get to the final four of football or if they are when they expand it to be able to get into that playoff scenario, you know, potentially playing for an SEC championship game like that's the things that this fan base wants And we know we've been on the right trajectory, but now is the time to really take that next step and cement ourselves as one of, you know, the top five or six teams in the SEC every single year, no doubt, and start to push up into that upper echelon. So I'm really excited for that. I'm really excited to see Devin Leary play, but, but 
you know, I, I, I can't help myself. I'm already excited to see DJ Wagner in a Kentucky Wildcats uniform. I'm excited for for Dillingham and for Reed Shepard and for DJ Wagner. Uh, I just, you know, Justin Edwards. I can't wait, man. It's going to be fun. It's going to be a fun offseason, a highly anticipated offseason. I'm sure people will be you know, the anxiety levels will rise a little bit as the season starts to get nearer and nearer, but we will do our best to have some fun over the offseason, keep you guys all up to date on what's going on, and then get you guys ready for next season and have some fun along the way. So Sam, I think that'll do it for today. We'll put a wrap on the 2022-2023 Kentucky Wildcats basketball season Until next year, my friend, when we do this all over again. Looking forward to it, my friend. Take care. Have a good one. I appreciate you coming on today. I appreciate everybody listening. We will be back next week. We'll give you guys an update um, and make sure you guys know what day we will get these episodes out as, as we're going down to one a week. But we will be back next week with another episode, and we will go from there. Sam, again, thank you for all your time. and. Go Cats. See y'all. There's only one thing left to say. O-C-A-T-S. Cats, cats, cats.